Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the Road to Indie Insider. My name is Rob Howden. This is episode number 24, and this is a breakdown as uh, my guest and I will be talking about the Grand Prix of Portland, the Labor Day event up at the Pacific Northwest. That was August 30th to September 1st. Uh, a really solid weekend once again up in Portland. Uh, great to get our drivers in USF 2000, Indy Pro, and Indy Lights back on that racetrack again for the second straight year. This year, not the finale. Last year, it was the, the last race of the year. This year, setting up for the finale at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. So let's jump into this breakdown because the racing was solid. The championship's definitely taking a bit of a, a, bit of a turn. There's momentum uh, for a number of drivers. Joining me today, though, from TSO Ladder and Trackside Online, Mr. Steve Wittick. Uh, Steve, first off, uh, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you taking some time to be on The Insider with me. Uh, and secondly, I hope you're feeling better. Uh, I saw that you uh, saw that you were kind of sick there leaving Portland. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on, Rob. Yeah, as you can tell, I'm a little stuffed up still, but not too bad. It's the dangers of having a wife that's a high school teacher. And uh, yeah. you about it's about standard. About two weeks after she starts school, I get sick. Uh, she and there's to miss it, but I usually end up with something. So, and well, they got, as a teacher, she starts to build up the immunity. Yeah, right? exactly. You know what I mean? I was a kindergarten teacher for a year, and I was I got sick early, but then I was fine. Yeah. Uh, nothing worse than traveling oh, on a plane, especially when you're taking a couple. Of, if you have to, if you have to do a you know a stopover somewhere, a connection. Yep. It just it just sucks to travel when you feel bad. Oh yeah, it was it was a pretty miserable trip back to Indy, but I made it, and I was happy, and I think I stayed in bed. I swear, twenty one hours straight, pretty much. So, which usually is a day. I'm glad I had the opportunity to do that because usually that usually makes you feel better pretty quick. So. Yeah, I saw that. Twenty-one mm-hmm. hours of sleep. You, you said on social media that was uh, that's solid. Yeah, that was, that that's was solid. really solid. A couple of Nike will help with that, though, right? That's true. Uh, let's jump into Portland here. We'll we'll get into our our, our breakdown as we normally do. I'll give you uh, kind of an overview of what happened in the race. Steve and I will discuss each event, and of course, we'll look once we're done each each uh, series. We'll talk about the championship battle. But Steve, just overall, you know, second opportunity to come up to Portland. You know, you got to give the good folks at Green Savory some credit for last year kind of coming in. Obviously, an, an uphill battle for them the first time to come back to a track, which has had a lot of national races, but was kind of more of a, a you know, a, a club regional pr- uh, facility at Portland. They come in for the second year. Uh, a, it felt like a lot of people there. I don't know if there was more actual fans. I know that somebody, I think Robin Miller reported that a lot more campers were there. Uh, he wasn't sure if there was more racers and uh, more fans. I know that there was a ton of people walking mm-hmm. around. It felt like for me, Paddock was packed. Definitely a lot of people. Uh, a lot more right. vendors too, which is awesome. That'll really draw in more fans too. Because first year, that was the one thing that was lacking was the vendor. There wasn't as many vendors as you probably wanted, but there were a ton of vendors, which yep. was awesome to see. But yeah, I thought a lot more campers, probably similar size crowd as the first year. So definitely a chance to keep going on that event. It's momentum, right? And again, it's all about date, date equity. The one thing about uh, the Labor Day weekend, this year it was August the 30th to September 1st. Next year, because Labor Day is the first Monday in every September, it actually moves into September. So it'll be like the September 4th, 5th, and 6th, I believe, will be there. Or maybe 3rd, 4th, 5th yeah. will be the actual date of the race this coming year. Uh, all in all, though, day, uh, um, Steve, fantastic weather. You know, we had... Pretty high heat and humidity last year. Humidity always still a bit high, but temperature, you know, essentially blue skies with some clouds, anywhere between mid high 60s to, what, low 80s, I think, was, was the highest we got. Yeah, it was absolutely perfect weather. I got there on 
you know, for the, the one set one session of the test on Tuesday morning had a little wet. And other than that, it was, man, it was nice weather. But yeah, a little more humid than I expect in that area of the country. But uh, I wasn't going to complain at, you know, 80 and humidity is a lot different than 95 and humidity like we've had. That's right. Also. Well, you know, and talking about fans too, knowing that that the road to Indy teams normally are early uh, in, the, in each day's schedule. Uh, the Global MX5 Cup was actually first each day. Uh, but what I saw coming into the track every day early as we are, you know, knowing that we're going to be going on at around nine o'clock, nine fifteen, as we drove into the track, my God, the, the line of people just walking in, which is, which again, I don't care if you have 20, 30,000 people there, but the core fans of IndyCar and the road to Indy in the Pacific Northwest, most definitely coming out because the minute they open the gates, they just start rolling through, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, it is really awesome. I usually get there early, and I mean, at some there's one morning I think I got there before seven, and there were people lined up to get in, and the gate didn't open until eight thirty. So I know it was pretty cool to see. Um, but yeah, it's a cool facility. I uh, you know it's one that I actually really enjoy. I enjoyed it in the past, but it's kind of nice to go back there. It's good track for, especially really good track for Road Dandy. Uh, it turned out pretty good track for IndyCar too, but. Uh, kind of creates some exciting racing, uh, a little bit of a different challenge for the drivers and teams. Yeah, I like it. It's, it's different. Most drivers will tell you it's one of the, the, the different tracks. It's unique. It's a, it's a rhythm track for sure. Yep. Getting through the Shelton Chicane, which they, they've renamed the Shelton Chicane. It used to be the Festival Curve. That's always tough. USF 2000, I think, doing the best of any of the open wheel categories this, know, this weekend, able, able to get through cleanly uh, both races. But, you know, that 9, 10, 11, 12 complex at the back of the racetrack, so high commitment. I like it. It's it's a unique racetrack for sure. It is. It's a lot of fun to uh, to cover too. And I, you know, I know you and I probably don't get the chance, but I did take a chance, get a chance to walk out. Uh, I had someone else helping me this weekend go out to, and watch from the you know nine, ten, eleven, twelve complex. Man, it's it is so cool to watch any open wheel car through there. It is just they're on the edge, they're dancing, rear ends light. You can tell they're yeah. struggling for grip. Yeah, it's just a, that section attracts a lot of fun to watch. I didn't actually get a chance to do that because I'm pretty much locked and loaded yeah, the entire weekend, as you know. But let, let's, let's, let's jump into this thing right now. Let's, so here's a quick summary of the opening race for Indy Lights, if you didn't get a chance to see it on uh, NBC Gold or, or listen to it on IndyCar Radio. So first and foremost, Renus VK comes out of the box strongly with Hunkos Racing. He's able to qualify pole both days. Coming into the event, Renus pretty much knows there's no chance of winning the championship. Oliver would have to essentially get the flu and not start the race uh, to be able to uh, to be actually able to get the championship back. But that doesn't really matter. Renus is trying to make a name for himself. The IndyCar team owners are watching just like they did last year with Colton Herta mm-hmm. and Pato Award. So Renus knows he's trying to make it – wherever he goes now, he's trying to make an impact. He can make the championship closer, but he's trying to make an impact. Hookos Racing rolls off the trailer very well. Uh, he ends up qualifying on the the pole position for both races, just rocked it. And in fact, I think one of the qualifying, I think for race number two was one ten thousandth of a second. That was just- Steve, I don't I don't remember ever seeing that no, in, in the ten years no, I've been doing neither this. do I. I don't think I've ever seen a driver as upset as Oliver was. He was not to right. miss out by one ten thousandth of a second. Uh but yeah, that's crazy. It was just yeah. to watch those guys throw down lap after lap just trying to improve on each other. And it's a, it's fun rivalry. And it just, I think we're going to continue to see that rivalry grow as we continue to move those two up. 
Yeah, well, you think about it, they were rivals, uh, BK and Askew and Carding to a certain extent, definitely in USF 2000, Indy Pro 2000, of course, this year in Indy Lights. And this is something we'd hope to see for the next 10 to 15 years uh, in the NTT IndyCar Series. So Hunko's Racing rolls off the trailer incredibly well. And that, I think, kind of plays to the way the, the weekend kind of rolled because they only they only used the one set of, of fresh uh, Cooper tires in, qualify, in one of the qualifying runs. They were able to hold on to a sticker set of Coopers. That's what Renus ran in race number one. So when you have fresh tires like that, the opening couple laps are going to be sketchy because you need to bring them up to temperature. Guys on scuffs, of course, able to get on a little earlier. As we go to start start the race, uh, decent start again. Uh, VK goes to P1, Askew to second. Uh, Robert McGinnis able to, to get into that third position. Askew put pressure on early, uh, but once those tires kind of came up to speed, he was able to stretch away. Further back, I thought uh, one of the great battles was you know, Toby Sowery fell back yeah. earlier, uh, um, Steve, and he was able first to get by uh, Lucas Cole. It makes that move by Lucas Cole into turn number one. And as they kind of come around the corner, Lucas Cole tries to get to the inside. Cole ends up getting tagged in the rear by Ryan Norman uh, as he's trying to come out at turn number two. That sends him sideways a little bit. Obviously, box up Norman allows David Malukas to get by. So a tough start for, for Ryan Norman as he ends up falling back to the tail of the field. We did see, see issues from both Norman and Cole as well. Norman had a spin in turn number five early. Cole went around that same lap over in turn number 10 and 11. So again, drivers really pushing hard early. Uh, but really, I think the best battle, Steve, late in the race, because obviously VK's checked out. He's got the win. Uh, Oliver Askew, knowing that a, sec- a P2 result is huge for his opportunity to clinch the championship, provisionally clinch the championship on Sunday. So first and second are locked. McGinnis running strong in third. But Toby Sowery, that, that that car really started to come come to him, I think. He was fully utilizing his push to pass, put all this pressure on McGinnis, but he comes up just short in the end. VK wins by 3.4 seconds over Askew. Uh, McGinnis able to hold off Toby Sowery at the end. Overall, not a ton of excitement in this particular race, but the, as the storylines played out, you know, a nice win for for Renus VK. He's able to win in front of the IndyCar owner, saying, "Hey guys, I can win races. I'm a consistent driver, but when I can, I put the hammer down. I'm going to win." Oliver Askew says, "I'm a patient driver who knows how to win championships. I take care of my race car. Everything's great." And then you got a young kid like McGinnis and Salary, which could be two drivers. Steve, we see run for a championship next year. Yeah, for sure. No, it was which you know sometimes a straightforward race isn't the worst thing, and that's definitely the case here. It uh, you know they they all kind of did what they needed to do. Um, you know, I think Renus what he's done lately with a car that I don't think is quite as quick as what the Andretti's guys have is I'm impressed by what he's been able to to pull that car forward a little bit, and you know Oliver's done exactly what he's needed to do too, though. So they're both you know those those are two guys that are on top of their game right now, and you know. It's. I expect to see them both in the IndyCar series next year. It'd be some. Yeah, I, 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 that would be exciting. I, and again, let, let, let's talk about that. The fact that you know Hunkos Racing, it seems like they've been just a, maybe a little step behind uh, to a certain extent. The Andretti guys have had the measure of this Indy Lights Delara IL15 for the last couple of years, right? We we yeah. saw, uh, you know, last year they were super strong with Pato Award and Colton Herta. Uh, you know. Vic, Victor Franzoni did what he could with the Hunkos car to kind of did the same thing. But again, he was kind of hampered by budget. He wasn't able to push as hard as he possibly could because the money wasn't there for crash damage. 
different story for Arena SBK. He's got a lot of great sponsorship from the Netherlands. Of course, uh, Jumbo Supermarkets behind him as well. He had the Mazda money from winning the Indy Pro 2000 scholarship last year. So he's been able to push hard, and, and, he, and he has. Uh, but you're right. I think that uh, I think that Renis just keeps continuing to develop as a driver. He's developing more with his feedback every time he gets a chance to get behind the wheel. You have to think about the fact that you know that Oliver Askey kind of jumped in the cars of Pato Award and Colton Herter. The setup's there. Get in, drive it. You know, we'll keep, keep dialing it in. Whereas I think maybe Renis being able to help Hunkos even more maybe than than Franzoni did last year. Do you not think simply because of the fact that he's able to run all out? Lap after lap? Yeah, I think so. I think it will definitely help. And I know his feedback's gotten a lot better um, talking to the engineers there at Junkos. And then knowing what he did in the IndyCar test, I think that'll actually help. That might actually help Junkos over the last couple of weekends too. He's kind of learned a little bit more even doing one IndyCar test on what the engineers expect on feedback. So, um, you know, talking to a few people, it's interesting. Obviously, um, Andretti has a, a NTT IndyCar Series program. And a few people said, you know, the damping technology doesn't carry over, but some of the philosophies do. And that's something I hadn't even thought about. But it's sure. it's interesting how, you know, they've got all this philosophy and data from the IndyCar side that actually does carry over a little bit to the to the Indy Light side. And they were also one of the, you know, they te- they actually tested there as an IndyCar team. So, you know, they knew the track changes ahead of time. So for what Hunkos and Renus did to be so quick this weekend was pretty damn impressive. I agree. Uh, what I did like, too, was Hunkos was called to hold on to that fresh set of tires, very similar to what Oliver Askew did at Mid-Ohio. Uh, you know, when you can get out of one of those qualifying sessions, let's say the second qualifying session for race two, and you could hold on to a fresh set knowing you can get the job done with what you got, it's all about rolling off the trailer uh, strong to beginning. And, and I thought that was, I thought that, again, a great call. Toby Sauer did it as well with HMD Motorsports for race two. He had fresh tires, but I think that was a good call. You know, to get it, they could have held off for race number two. I think we would have saw a better battle probably between Renus and Oliver. But why not let Renus come out of the gate with a win in race number one? Let's use the fresh tires now. We'll see what happens on Sunday. Yep, you never know what will happen with behind you know Renus up front, and you've got to you've yep. got to still play for that championship no matter what. So that's exactly how they played it. And it you know, they played it perfectly. Just Oliver drove a really, had a really good weekend and drove a really solid pair of races. You know, in my, in my uh, star of the race, Steve, I went for Renus VK simply because, you know, the, when you're kind of up against it, you're trying to win a championship and he just performed so well. And I think that coming out of the gate, like he did put the laps down, he was my, uh, my star of the race. I ended up going for Toby Sowery in race number two for him being able to get that, that first victory and really putting on a good run. But Sowery was actually one of the guys I watched through race number one because he fell back early and he had some work to do. He was able to get by Lucas Coles, we talked about, in turn one. And then he gets by Dolph Kellett. And then he chases down Robert McGinnis. I thought Sowery had a really good run. Yeah, I thought he did too. Um, you know, they're starting to really gel. That team has had gone through a lot of changes. And, um, you know, it's interesting. It's tough for them right now. They've still only got one engineer for two Indy Lights cars, which is definitely not ideal. Um, but it's, uh, you know, they've actually really started to come forward and, uh, Toby's improved his driving. He's learned how to hang on to the tires a little bit longer, which is something he needed to do. Um, yeah. But it's something where, where they've got that car dialed in where it gets better and better as the race goes on. And that uh, that seems to work well with his aggression. Steve, let's talk about that restructuring a little bit. You know, the, 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 the program, of course, started as BN Racing through USF 2000 and 2017. 
They added the Indy Pro 2000 component last year with both David Malukas and then Toby Sowery coming over for the Road America event where they went 1-2 in both races. They started the season with BN Racing, probably jumping uh, you know, d- jumping into the deep end of the pool, I think. A lot of expansion for that team. They probably didn't have the personnel they needed in terms of experience. They make essentially a wise decision midway through the year to restructure, rebrand, and actually essentially come up with what, to be honest, is a is a totally different team. BN Racing, I believe, I'm not sure, I don't think it's confirmed, but I'm not sure whether or not that BN branding and that program with Bryn Nuttall is going to be able to continue in USF 2000. I believe the HMD could be the entire program, but they've essentially, you know, they, they changed everything. Yeah, right? it'll be a cross. I know all the equipment's down in Brownsburg now, so yep. all so talk about so talk about that. They, they HMD Motorsports essentially what they've done. They took all their Indulates equipment, took it down to the shop of John Kaminsky, yep. and in uh, uh, John Kaminsky, who was a USF 2000 owner a couple of years ago, but has a pedigree of working as a as a mechanic for for Roger Pedsky. He was team manager at Chip Canassi Racing. There is Dragon a, Racing, you know, there racing. You go, yeah, right? so very very experienced gentleman, and uh, you know. Uh, nobody better to work on your cars at least for car prep i mean it's his cars are immaculately prepared and that it's the one thing that team was actually lacking it was their car prep so yeah it's and that's and that's the experience right you you think about john and everything he's done all the work he's done not only is he did he work for penske and as you said dragon and for uh for for ganassi but what his primary business is restoring indy cars right Right. he'd be Get, takes these indie cars and restores them and, and brings them back to life. And, and his car prep is ridiculously good. It was the same way in USF 2000, yeah, right? Exactly. He was his car prep was amazing with with those Van Diemen's, and then of course the Tadis. I love seeing John back. Yeah. I think he's a great great dude. It's it's good to have him back. I like his dry sense of humor. It makes yep. me laugh. Um, and he's he's an honest guy. You're not gonna you know stand with him. He's yeah. uh, no, he's yeah. a good guy to have around the paddock, and it you know it helps to bring in the proper people as well because john knows everybody and everybody yeah, appreciates true. what john has done and everybody trusts john so you know if good people become available he can get them to come aboard which he did you know unfortunately hunkos with their sports car program had an issue and had to let a couple people go including a very good mechanic who you know and i know aj smith yeah. and he's now at hmd motorsports right so you know i think what he's mechanic of the year a couple of years ago in, in and now he's there at HMD. So uh, their car prep's only going to get better, which will make them faster. Um, you know, I've had some people in the paddock say I they couldn't understand how Sowery even or Malukas had top fives and podiums with what they were driving early in the season. So you can only imagine how good that team could get down the down the road. And I know they want to bring everybody back. So let's. Yeah, I was just and we haven't, you know, we haven't really got into silly season or talking yeah, about 2020 yeah. yet. But man, if if all if that entire team, if you know, we know Malukas will be back. It's his essentially his team. If they bring Toby Sowery back again, man, you, you got to think they're going to challenge for the championship and even the team championship potential. Yeah, I would think so, definitely. Um, right? Oh yeah, for sure. All right, let's cap off race number one simply by saying, uh, really. Uh, essentially a perfect race for Alabraska. Other than getting the race win, he gets through turn one cleanly, finishes second. He's a that weekend, although he could have went out there and said, I want to win races, he's his real primary goal, stay out of trouble, bag points. Let's get this thing provisionally clinched yeah. and we leave on Sunday. Yeah, and early earlier right. in the season he talked about, you know, all he wants to do is win races. Well he he did that to the point where then he could take last weekend and do what he needed to do to wrap the championship. Yeah. 
So for race number one, Renus VK wins by 3.4 seconds. Oliver Askew in second. Uh, Robert McGinnis able to hold back a charging Toby Sowery. Sowery does get fast lap of the race, of course, using the push to pass. Uh, Dalton Kellett holding on for fifth. And uh, Stephen, what was his 67th start? All-time start uh, uh, leader yeah. in Indy Lights. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually a pretty good honor to have. Uh, with, I think he passed Ari Leyendijk Jr. So uh, I don't think we'll see Dalton on The Bachelor anytime soon. But <laughs> no, probably not. I, I just don't, don't <laughs> see that as being his thing. But uh, yeah, he's been a mainstay in the road to Indy. And I wish, you know, it's good to have drivers like him around. He's mature. You know, I'm not going to call him a kid anymore because he's not. He's a mature gentleman. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, I also think he's helped propel that team forward too right like you know someone that mature that thinks that much that feed that you know has an engineering background can only help renus get better and i think renus would fully admit that too that having dalton around has helped him once again folks you're listening to the road to indy insider my name is rob howden got steve Whitting from tsoladder.com with me here today we are doing the breakdown of the grand prix of portland it was a good run up there in the pacific northwest all right, let me jump into the overview of race number two. I got everything in front of me here. Uh, rivals, championship contenders, challenged on the front row. Renus VK on the inside, Oliver Askew on the outside. Both drivers at this point now on the scuffed Cooper tires. Uh, we do have an incident, though, in turn number one that brings out the full course yellow. And it was interesting. Askew, again, likely probably could have just got to the corner cleanly. He goes hard into turn one, locks up the right front heading into the corner, the car pushes deep into the corner, and as he, and likely this might have been the, the the error in terms of judgment, he tries to bring the car back to the right to make it over to the curbing to get around turn number two. And, and in doing so, everybody, of course, funneling through. Uh, David Maluk is battling a little bit of understeer as well. Nowhere to go for him because he's got Ryan Norman on the outside of him and a, another driver, I believe, on the far outside of Norman. So essentially what happens is, Askew's coming back across. Maluk is trying to get to the, to the apex as well. They make contact there. Uh, Askew kind of up over the curbing a little bit. Uh, Norman takes off his front wing. It was it was it was tough. And, I, and I'll ask your input in a second, Steve, because as this all happens, it seems to me like Askew probably should have taken the runoff exit, and realizing how deep he had gone into the corner. But he's just thinking he's trying to get back around. Probably should have went to the runoff. And then David Maluk. I don't think I'm not sure if David Malukas would have made I'm the corner sure. either. Watching and watching a bunch of the video, right? He went super deep into the corner. Yeah, well. it was uh, one of those. I actually went out and watched that one. You know, we're at a media center there on the third floor. Can't really see that yeah. first corner, but there's a little you know fire escape type thing. I went out and watched the start of that, and it. Uh, um, I went out and watched the start of that, and I'm like, oh no, this isn't going to end well. I could tell there was no way that. Oliver was going to make the corner. I had questions about Malukas making the corner. So, it was, you know, yeah. um, racing incident when it's all said and done because first lap, first corner, uh, guys going for it. But, yeah, it was uh, interesting to see how deep those guys tried to go. And, you know, again, they're out there after a different series each time, and you never know what it's going to be like when you get to that first corner. So, unfortunately, it didn't end well for Malukas. I was amazed at how much suspension damage his car had and Oliver had i know i'm exactly. i was very surprised by that but um yeah, it was unfortunate yeah. For him. If, if you look at if you look at the if you look at the video like malukas's oh, left front is absolutely yeah. caved in 
So again, I, again that, I watched the replay many, many times just to try to get a feel for it. Again, Askew probably at that point should have taken the runoff, but of course he's trying to come back around, as we said. Malukas pushes out. Essentially what happens when it's all said and done is that uh, VK able to get through the corner. Toby Sowery somehow was able to come out in, in the second. He's actually put a ton of pressure on VK before we go full course yellow. There was, there was an opportunity for him, I think, to try to take the lead before the yellow came out. He was not able to get that done. And Ryan Norman, uh, who, who had trouble, of course, on Saturday, he's able to get through the chaos and ends up coming out into the third spot on the restart. So Askew comes in for repairs. And really, and, and as you said, Steve, I can't believe there wasn't damage to his, uh, his left or rather right rear. Knocks the front wing off. They put a new wing on. He comes back onto the racetrack, able to you know bust his ass to get back around and essentially gets to the tail of the field before we go back to officially eventually go back to green on the restart. Um, Toby Sowery, though, <laughs> gets super aggressive uh, trying to get by uh, VK and actually makes the move down to the inside and an equally, I think, aggressive defensive move for VK as he pulled all the way to the right side of the track. But on that restart, uh, VK was not going to hold mm-hmm. off. Uh, Toby Sauer, he was able to make the movie to turn number one. No, you know, Renus there had to be, you know, oh my goodness, my actually my championship might be okay here um, until he sees Oliver picking off positions behind him, probably. But yeah, at yeah. that point, he he as the guys on the radio had to be telling him, hey, this is your chance, right? It's you never know, and you've got to go hard. And you know, if you win and Oliver ends up eighth, well, you know, that's a that's not quite a thirty point swing, but it's darn close, or ten point or twenty point swing, and. You know, all of a yeah. sudden you go to Laguna Seca with a chance still, you know. And, that's that's and again, just as VK had the fresh tires for race one, Sauer is the one that held the fresh tires for race number two. That opening couple of laps, of course, seasoned those up a little bit. Uh, he was able to go aggressively to the lead. And at that point, uh, Sauer uh, out front. Uh, what I thought was exciting at that point, of course, Oliver Ask with the tail of the field. He gets past Dalton Kellett, then he gets past Lucas Cole. Then she makes his move past Robert McGinnis. He's in a P4. And again, in his mind, I'm sure they're on the radio saying, dude, you get to P3 and essentially it's provisionally clinched. Right. What do you think? What do you think of his aggressive pass on his teammate Ryan Norman down into turn number one? I, again, another I watched the video a couple of times. I don't think there was any contact, but man, like obviously Oliver locks it up going in. Ryan doesn't want to give it up. He locks it up going in. He's got to take the escape road, essentially, but that was. I thought that was pretty intriguing, a couple of teammates going at it that hard. Yeah, I thought it was too. And I know they're pretty good friends too now off the track. So I'm sure they discussed that afterwards. And I'm going to guess Ryan understands at the end of the day why Oliver did that. But yeah, pretty aggressive movement. You know what? I I had zero issue with it. It's good to see Oliver being aggressive. Uh, you know, that's something he's going to have to do as he moves forward in his career to be aggressive and, and gain every position you can. And, you know, you talk to the IndyCar guys and they say, you have to go 110% every lap. That's just the way it is. And that's, that's you know, he drove that race like an IndyCar driver where he went 110% every lap. And, it, you know, it ended up working out for him. And that's, you know, I think a good lesson for him to as he moves up that, it, you know, going that hard all the time does tend to work out. It, it does. And let's be real about Portland. It's a tough place to pass because of the, some of the, the longer, you know, radius corners, like the four or five combination when you start to lose the air off the front wing, air wash is real, right? We have a lot of understeer and it's hard to make a pass. So if you have the speed to catch somebody, and how many times do we see this happen on the road, Dandy? Drivers will be half a second or a second faster. The minute they get get to the guy that they're trying to pass, they slow up to his speed and they can't get by. So 
I'm all about asking you say, you know what? I had the speed. I caught up to Norman and my first run down to turn one, I'm going for it. I think he was down to his last push to pass too. So Agreed. Yeah, you're right. You're I, right. I think he had no choice. That was it. The one chance. And, you know, once you're committed to that, making that pass, <laughs> with that push yeah. to pass you, you've got to try at least try and make it. So, so one thing now, okay. He, so he scores enough points to provisionally win the, the championship. I've been doing this 25 years. So I was very hesitant in talking about the championship at all. Yes, he's provisionally won it. He has to start both races. But knowing what could happen if he wrecks a car or whatever it may be, you know, I just, that's just. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm this, I'm with you, Rob. I don't. I can't do it. No, I, just, I can't do it either. I can't. It's just. He hasn't won the, he hasn't won the championship nope, this year. Exactly. You know what I mean? God forbid anything would happen, getting sick. Uh, right. Dr- driving a rental car into the ditch. Hell, right. hell, we saw, we saw Pato Award drive off the racetrack in practice last year. Right. In, in turn number four, in turn four, right? Yeah. And he, and he went into the barriers. It, it, had he cracked a tub or hurt himself or something, it's right. never over till it's over. So I'm, uh, while everybody else is jumping about championships, I didn't, I didn't want to do that. No, I'm, the, I'm with you. I'm the same way. I'm, you know, he's, he's provisionally the champion, but you know, he's got to stick yeah. the races. And I think we had the same thing with Kaiser a few years ago, didn't we? Where, yeah, he, had, yeah, he had a, Watkins at, at Watkins Glen. Yeah. yeah, and it's the same thing. I just, you know, it's. It's bad juju for me, right? Like it's bad <laughs> mojo. I just don't like to talk about it until it's done and so over with. Let's, so let's wrap the race up here. Um, obviously, obviously, Toby Sowery uh, getting out to a, a pretty solid lead early. He's got the fresh tires. He was able to break the one point five, you know, the one point five second window for for push to pass for for Reed's VK. I'm saying this thing's over. Toby's going to walk out here. He's got this thing handled. And then as I'm calling the race with with, uh, with Nick Yeoman in the, in the IndyCar radio booth, we're watching the car step out on Toby every once in a while. I'm like, man, this, this thing's not perfect right now. And as we're seeing that, VK's car starts coming in. He starts he gets back there within push to pass. And he had a bucket load of them. He had, had them all, I think, at that point. Well, he just went to work on push to pass. And it was one of those things where he's right back up on Sowery's uh, gearbox. And... Those last couple laps, I think, were pretty tense for, for Toby. Oh, I'm sure they were. It's, uh, you know, yeah, no, I was in, I, dang impressive driving by both of them not to do anything. Really. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, I thought that they thought he was done for when they had to push to pass. But uh, it's tough to time that push to pass because as soon as, you know, you get passed with it, the other guy can use it and you can't. So you, That's it's it. hard to time it, right? You almost want to do it second last lap, last lap if possible. But, you know, you usually want to give yourself a margin for error, so you usually want to try the second last lap. And you know, I they uh, Toby drove a defensive line into turn one each time, didn't do anything silly, but just was able to get on the brakes just a little bit. You know, not quite as late as Renus, but late enough that he could get to the corner first. And that is the key to it, right? The push to pass. If you have it, if you use your push to pass, you get up there and you make the pass with five to go or four to go. Remember the leader sitting on those fifteen push to pass activations exactly. that he or she has not has not used yet, right? So the minute that you go by, they all of a sudden have a full arsenal of push to pass themselves, and if their car is still decent enough, then they're able to attack it. I think that would have been the only thing. I think that if I think I don't know that Toby's car was good enough because he was battling that that oversteer. It may not have been good enough to make the pass because you of course had to get out of you know six and seven well enough to make the run down the straightaway. I don't know if he could have or not. But Renus did everything he could, pushed it to, push it to the very end. He ended up with one activation that he didn't use. Um, so 
I, again, I thought, you know, Renus is just trying to prove who he is and he did it again in the strong second yep. place run. Um, but I, I was, I was happy for Toby Sauer. He ends up getting the victory. As I said, folks, the margin, just four tenths of a second, uh, Renus VKP two. Oliver Askew comes home in third after the issue, as we said, driving by his teammate, Ryan Norman, Ryan ends up in fourth, McGinnis fifth, Kellett sixth, Cole seventh. And of course, as we said, David Malukas was out early. All in all, I thought the Indy Lights races were pretty solid. Push to Pash came into play. We talked a lot about it, which was exciting, uh, Steve. But again, as as we said, looking at the championship battle here now, Oliver Askew, what, a 41-point lead heading to uh, to uh, WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca. All he really does provisionally now is have to start two races. Yeah, yeah and that's uh... – you know, it's been a, it's been an interesting year in, in lights. You know, it's, again, not the deep, not the, the the largest field, but we hey, we've had seven different winners. That's crazy. Yeah, I did. that's, yeah. I, I did. that's right. Toby was a seven. You're right. I think there's still a chance. Someone like Malukas could pull out a win. You still right. So it's amazing to me that you know there's that full field and pretty much everybody in that field right now is won races, uh, which yeah. is you know says a lot for how deep it is. You know, Askew and VK have definitely been the class of it, but. They haven't been alone. They've had competition the entire time. We don't have a battle for the championship now, unless, of course, something were to happen to Oliver Askew and for him not to be able to start one of the races. Uh, but we do have a fight for third spot for sure. 328 points for Ryan Norman, 320 for Toby Sowery, 314 for Robert McGinnis. McGinnis just 14 points back. And, of course, as we know, 32 points on offer for both of the races. Uh, I don't think McGinnis is out of, out of a shot at potentially going for third, and Sowery definitely there as well. He's only eight points back. And, and remember, there's money up for grabs. Exactly. Uh, and, and points championship money as well. We don't talk about it a lot, but there is there is cash up for grabs. So there's a potential for all three of those drivers to finish the season P3. Yeah, and that uh, you know that'd be pretty cool. You know, I'd, I'd love to see it be just be you. There's a chance you could have three teams in the top three, which would be great for the three. Yeah. Uh, but. Yeah. yeah, no, any of those three guys are, are deserving. They've all won races now. Um, you know, I think it should be a pretty good, pretty good battle. They've all been pretty solid on the on the road courses, right? They're not – none of them have really stood out on the road courses. So it's going to be interesting to see out of that group, you know, McGinnis has been good on the on the road courses. Norman won a – right? That's, all three have won a race on a road course. So it'll be interesting to see the – watch the battle between those three at – Mazer or geez, weather tech raceway. Laguna said, Good for yeah. you. I've been holding off on yeah. that. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, anytime you make a mistake, if you call it Mazda Raceway, Laguna Sake, or whatever it may be, you I mean, say Mazda Road did it. in an email, mass well, for a quarter. <laughs> well, to me, it's more one thing it proves the exactly. value of branding, right? right? Because we're still saying you're still, you still, because it's been so long. Give it up to WeatherTech uh, for being the new sponsor of Laguna Seca, but that's just—it's a proof of branding. It's—I think it's a positive. We all laugh about the fact that you have to put a, a dollar in the swear jar yeah. when you say Mazda Road to Indy or Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca, but that—that's just—that's the, the the power of branding. It's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's a success. All right, uh, again, Steve Winnick joining me here on the Road to Indy Insider. My name is Rob Howden. It's the breakdown episode of the Portland Race. Let's jump into Indy Pro 2000. I'll give you the kind of breakdown of what happened in race number one. You know what? This was one of the ones where I just I hated to see this thing happen because you, you always want people to get through the opening corner and go racing. Even more so, I think, because Stingray Rob from Hunkos Racing had done such a good job in qualifying, had a really good feel for the track. He's starting on the pole position. Here's a guy who is the next one, I believe, to be able to win in this category. 
He's on the pole, just trying to get through turn one cleanly. It does not happen. Artem Petrov from RP Motorsports overcooks turn number one. And as they get in there, Kirkwood, Kirkwood, this is the thing about, and I'll say this now, Kyle Kirkwood starts on the off pole. They get the green, great jump for uh, uh, for Rob. Instead of Kyle Kirkwood trying to hang around the outside and battle him on the outside, he immediately tucks into the inside because the room is there. So he goes to P2 because of, of a great start for Rob. Kirkwood then immediately goes to the inside of the racetrack. Stingray doesn't. Stingray stays wide enough. I think he realizes that Kirkwood's not going to force the issue on the inside. He's going to be able to hold it anyway, so around the outside. Tough one. Petrov gets into the back of Stingray Rob. All of a sudden, Rob goes around. Chaos ensues. Um, it was obviously confusion of how the drivers were supposed to get back onto the racetrack. I know they supposedly talked about it in the driver's meeting, but there was at least six or seven drivers into the runoff area in the Shelton chicane there. If you blow the Shelton chicane during the race, you have to make a, another chicane, a tighter chicane through the blocks to come back on the racetrack. You're essentially serving a time penalty that it would take for you to get, if you didn't go through the corner, you can't cut straight through the, if you make a mistake, you can't cut straight through. I guess they also said the drivers made it potentially that you were supposed to do a, essentially a 360 and come back onto the racetrack and complete turn number two. So a number of drivers, including Stingray Rob, do a complete 360, come around the corner and go through the, through the back through turn two. So they complete the entire corner. Three drivers end up going through the, you know, the short, runoff chicane the penalty chicane one driver Antonio Cerevalli blows straight through he doesn't he really isn't in isn't in a position yep. to do either because he can't get back around he can't I don't think he could have physically physically got the car even turned around he ends up getting a 10 yep. second penalty which is tough because where he ended up after the incident I don't, I don't think, think he could have I don't think he could have turned the around no, turned the car so. around at all so he was kind of in no man's land which was tough for him I it was, I was disappointed to see that but the bottom line absolute chaos um and the, the real bottom line is, I don't know how this keeps happening. Kyle Kirkwood emerges unscathed. He had, it's, it's like the quarterback on a power play in hockey or the point guard in, in basketball. He has some sort of vision, race vision, or I don't know. He sees, he must picture what's going to unfold and, and can be able to pick his way through, but it's uncanny the amount of times he does it. So it's not, it's not, it's not an accident. It's not luck. It's, there's skill there involved. So uh, kudos to him, though, because he's done it again yeah. and again and again, where he's avoided that first lap issue and picked his way through to the lead. Look at the strategy, though. I said, instead of him running down side by side with, with uh, Stingray Robin to turn, if, if he had done that. There may have not been an incident because Artem Petrov wouldn't have been there to right. hit Stingray Rob, but he doesn't try the outside move. He immediately tucks to the inside, gets behind Stingray, and then moves to the inside on his defensive move to make sure nobody can come up right. the inside of both of them. And that that's just – that is, that's a, you can't teach that move, or you can teach it, but you try to get them right. to, to think about it. Beautiful move to the inside. Had Stingray Rob moved over a little bit in front of him, that wouldn't have happened either, but I'm not sure if there was room for him to move. The bottom line was he put himself in the right spot inside of turn one, slowed it up enough that he was able to get way to yeah. the outside. He's able to get through. Daniel Frost able to get through. And maybe when it comes to the championship battle and how it's going to happen in Laguna Seca, Rasmus Lint does the same thing. He checks up early, goes from seventh yep. to third, Steve, in that, that opening complex. That, I think, was huge for Rasmus. Did you think he qualified seventh? If he finishes sixth or seventh, Kyle Kirkwood would have a huge right. lead. Oh, yeah. Going to Laguna Seca, right? Yeah, yeah, that was a really okay. smart move so by Rasmus. Um, you know, I'm not sure what 
their lack of pace was this weekend, but uh, he raced well. So it that's you know that's awesome for him. Um, but yeah, they've got to figure out some pace if they if he wants to get back in that championship hunt. But yeah, it was uh, some interesting racecraft on that first lap. Uh, you know, I can't really fault Petrov too much. It's his first rolling start on a street course probably in his life, and he just probably got a little excited. We've seen it happen. Uh, and it's not happened in the IndyCar race. So, uh, you know, hard to put, him up, you know, other than the fact, and he, and he was a penalized, rightfully penalized for it. So. Yep. So as they get out, the Kirkwood P1, Daniel Frost in, exclu- in the exclusive auto sport machine goes to second. Rasmus Flint comes out in third. Uh, Antonio Cervalli, as I said, really it was an, in no man's land. He, he kind of had to go off track, but wasn't able to do a 360 to come back. He actually wasn't even able to get back around. So he just drives straight through up over the curbing. He ends up getting a penalty, but not before, I think, making a really make, – making his impression because he jumps back on and ends up fourth on the racetrack. He chases down and passes Rasmus Lint. The minute he goes by Lint, he flat checks out in third spot. An impressive run for him. And, and, again, like I said, I mentioned about the fact that the technical alliance that Pacera Racing, which is their family team – uh, Peter, of course, his dad, Antonio, they have they own their own car. They have a technical alliance with RP Motorsports Racing. The car was actually under the Newman Watts right. racing tent for the weekend. With what you know, with that car, they they've very similar to the HMD program. The way they prepped that car at RP with, with the guys at Newman Watts, the car is in a much better shape coming in, better prep. Uh, the setup, of course, very similar. I'm not sure how much information they shared from RP from what they've got from Kyle Kirkwood. Um, and Artem Petrov. But the bottom line is, Steve, we saw Saravalli have a really good run to P4 in Toronto. He was really good at Portland with that car. They gave him good equipment. He showed he's got some skills. Yeah, and that's not, it's good to see because, you know, he came in with, you know, his, you obviously know his shifter karting background. And, you know, yeah. we, I think we all expected quite a bit. And he's still, I think what he's still 17, right? So um, he's still got some, lots of time. Um, and I know they're trying to find the right spot to run, you know, for championship next year. And I think maybe they, right now, if, you know, it works out with, they can share with RP and have some help from Newman walks that could work out really well for them. Uh, and it allows them to, you know, helps a couple other teams out and it helps them keep their costs down and, you know, you can run another season, which you, you know, would be fantastic. Agreed. And he needs, he needs that seat time. Cause I think first and foremost coming in, he, he came into the Indy pro 2000 category last year, probably should have started in USF 2000. Although a lot of drivers will tell you if you're a top level shifter cart guy or have a lot of shifter cart experience, probably the higher horsepower of the Indy pro may be an easier transition. Sometimes it's difficult to go to the, what essentially is a lower power to weight ratio in the USF 2000 car, but Sarah Valley just needs more. He needs more time. He needs another full year in Indy pro 2000. And I think if they put the package around him, uh, Sarah Valley could be a driver who will potentially battle for race wins. We saw the speed. Yeah. He was P3 on the racetrack, uh, although he did make that 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 cut through and he got the 10-second penalty. But the speed was there. He was unbelievably quick, was faster than Rasmus Lint, chased him down, made the pass. So Sarah Valley ends up third, loses that spot with the penalty. Um, it's funny. It's, it's actually kind of crazy. Parker Thompson's the driver ends up moving into P3 because Parker had, of course, he had to come through the cut through. He was as low as sixth place at one point, closed up on his teammate, Jacob Abel, made a really good pass for fifth, just past the halfway point. From there, he chased down Rasmus Lint very quickly, passes him for position for P4 on lap 16. He's fourth coming across the line. 
behind Kyle Kirkwood, Daniel Frost, and Antonio Cervalli at the end of the of the 30 laps, Steve. But with the penalty, Thompson goes back to third. Uh, I'm sure you talked to Parker afterwards, but it, it feels like <clears throat> I heard they found something on the car, I believe. I think so, yeah. And this, there was something that they missed on the, on the car itself, the actual, like, putting the car together and get it dialed yeah. in. He said – it was tough for them because they had to kind of change the way he drove it, but he and Tom Knapp really able to get connected. The car maybe reacting more that he more like what he would have expected now that they found that one issue. Yeah, and and he drove that knowing he drove that perfectly to know he knew that Antonio was going to contend second penalty. I mean, he drove it to the you know tenth of a second of what he needed to make sure that he ended up with the third spot. So yeah, much needed podium for those guys. And, and even more importantly, much needed, much better pace for that team. Parker's yeah, craft is always going to be there, but you know they've uh, it's, uh, they've started to to chip away at the pace, and uh, they're another one. It's it's tough to find the pe- right to get the right people in place when you start a new team, and you know again, someone like Tom Knapp's experienced, he knows people, uh, he has a lot of contacts, so you can get the right people in place to to put together a good program for your drivers and you know another family run team like that it's important that you do that for you know everybody involved because it, it only helped jacob abel down the road if he has a better you know if the teammates car is better then he's going to get better and you know he's shown that all year he's got quicker as the years gone as the year has gone on so um you know and his racecraft has been really good too well, I, I just think that you, you consider how Able Motorsports came out of the box this year. They were able to win both races with Parker in uh, in St. Petersburg. Of course, you're going to have different expectations. But everywhere you go, it's a clean sheet of paper, right? So the entire year, Able Motorsports has been building their base of knowledge. Right. Uh, the setup for every racetrack. Here's our baseline when we come to the next one. Tom Knapp, of course, came on board. Kudos for Parker Thompson. It's kind of been his lot in life for the last three okay. years. He was with exclusive auto sports in both 2017 and 2018. He was the development driver in the USF 17. He was the development driver in the PM 18 mm-hmm. last year for exclusive. He does the same thing for able motorsports. And it would be nice to see Parker Thompson get another shot like he did back in 2016 when he raced for Cape motorsports, but really he's been kind of a development guy and talking to Parker. Yeah. I don't think I don't, don't think frustrated the word. I think he would just love to have that opportunity to run with a team that was fully sorted, see if he could win a championship. Because there's a guy probably who could do exactly that next year in Indy Pro 2000. Does he come back? Does he try to find an Indy Lights ride? He doesn't have the money to go Indy Lights racing, so it's it's a tough place for Parker Thompson to be for sure. Yeah, it is. I he, it is a tough spot for him to be. You know, he's at that point in his career where. You know, Parker comes and yeah, I'm sure you same ask you the same thing. What should I do? And I'm like, you have to do what's going to keep you driving, whether it's sports car yeah. or whether it's open wheel. I'm like, Parker, you're good enough to be an IndyCar driver, but there's a point in your career where you have to, you know, choose driving a car over, you know, selling whatever you're going to sell in life or, you know, go do whatever your other career is going to be because, you know, it's – these guys want to be professional race car drivers. Driving a sports car is no, you know, nothing to sneeze at. So, agree. And I, I don't. And I don't think. I think Parker knows that. Yeah, I, know. and I think add, adding the adding the sports car programs this year was solid. He won a, a Canadian Touring Car Championship already for a team running an, an Audi R8. He's uh, in the hunt for the Canadian Porsche Cup program that that series as well. Yeah. Uh, so it, again, he's he's racing sports cars. The dream is still IndyCar. A guy that didn't have stuff. anything about a month before the season, he's had a pretty good. 
That's true. Right? That's like, true. I, mean, I wasn't sure we were going to see Parker drive anything this year. So, yeah, that's right. So here's the, this is the, the official lineup uh, at the end of race number one. Uh, Kyle Kirkwood with the win by 12 seconds. Uh, Daniel Frost in second. Parker Thompson third. Antonio Saravalli with fourth with that penalty. Still a good run for Antonio. Rasmuth Lint ends up in fifth. Nikita Lastoshkin in sixth. Uh, Jacob Abel seventh. And, and Stingray Rob back to the eighth spot. Um, here's where what where was that the points at the end of this one steve do you remember did, did kirkwood take over the point lead kirkwood for rasmuth or, or was it down to like one point no he took over the points lead he did okay so he takes over the point lead kyle kirkwood it's 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 the amount of consistency that rasmuth has had throughout the year has been solid that was his one a couple finish. Fifth, what's that that was his worst finish of the year there you go right every right. finish That's top three, five three. yeah but but what do you do when Kyle Kirkwood, I think I put it up on social media, he's won 21 of the last – he's won 21 of his 28 starts in the road to Indy. Yeah. That is just eight, uh, what, 12 races last year, and now is it nine this year so far? Is that what it is? Yeah. It's – I don't know. It's unbelievable. It's asinine, so, What's that? It's asinine. It's crazy. It is. It's, just, it it's is. unbelievable to me. So. Yeah. So he's on a roll again. The momentum is there. The connection between the, the RP Motorsport engineering staff and Kyle Kirkwood, which is obviously so valuable. Uh, he ends up, as I said, uh, getting the race win. Let's move down to, 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 uh, to race number two. Uh, clean start this time up front. Uh, Kyle Kirkwood on the pole. Stingray, Stingray Robin second. They essentially pull out into those positions cleanly. Uh, Kirkwood's gone. He ends up getting the, the the race win. Let's just throw that out there right right now. First and foremost, a couple of victories. Stingray Rob slots into second spot. Really good run for Stingray, and I think he's on a, a momentum run here at the end of the season. His third year in the series, really second year to a certain extent. He ran that shortened season in, in 2017 in the old Pro Formula Mazda car. Uh, he is really starting to pick things up. Stingray's maturing as a driver. Um, and again, for him, second place, solid, solid run, able to walk away. Battle behind them, though, a little, a little more interesting. Uh, you've got Rasmuth Lynch, you've got uh, Parker Thompson there as well. Thompson, I believe, moved into third early. Rasmuth Lynch attacks him on lap number two to take over third in the inside of turn number one. At that point, Steve, front three are essentially locked in, Kirkwood, Rob, and, and Rasmuth Lynch at, at that point. But... Parker Thompson does not let the pressure go on on uh, on Rasmuth Lint. There was a really good battle further back, but, but Thompson put in a lot of pressure. P five, six, seven, and eight essentially are, are six. Yeah, five, six, seven on top of each other early. Daniel Frost, Artem Petrov, and uh, Antonio Saravalli all really going at it. I thought that was a strong battle for those drivers. Uh, again, three different teams right there, or two different teams going at it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, it was yeah, and it's. You said, you know, Parker, where he could hold on to Rasmus. That's earlier in the season. He kind of he, – he could hold on to a position up front for a while, but they tended to fall off. This race, he actually got stronger as the race went on, which was good to see. But uh, I think Petrov will be interesting to watch if we, if we get to get him back for a little bit. Uh, he's got some talent. Uh, and Frost is awfully good. To, like, it's just – it's those are some good drivers that have a lot of potential. Um, you know, I don't know what – Daniel's going to end up doing, but he's had a very good season. He's made it, you know, he had one miserable event and forgettable event, but other than that, he's been very, very solid. Um, Agree. I, I think that they were off just a little bit. The exclusive team just didn't bit. quite yeah. have it all. 
you know, just, and that, and listen, sometimes they've got it. Sometimes somebody else doesn't have it. And that's, that's the back and forth of this particular program. Um, Petrov, the RP Motorsports guys are obviously rocking. They've got great information from Kirkwood. They are hitting on all cylinders. And Petrov's, of course, the benefactor of that because he's getting into a car that's the other car of the team that's winning all the races right now. So obviously great machinery for Artem Petrov. Frost was able to pull away there in that position for a while, and that's that was for P5. Petrov then reels him back in and is able to get a good run uh, coming out of, uh, of turn number six or seven, mm-hmm. right, and pass him down. The, uh, yeah, out of seven, he gets a good run down the back straightaway, able to go by. Uh, into turn number nine. So Petrov ends up moving into the fifth spot. Daniel Frost back to sixth. Saravalli faded back a little bit there in seventh. The interesting thing for me was you got Kirkwood out there uh, leading, right? You got Stingray Rob second. Those positions are essentially done. Final five laps, though. Parker Thompson Thompson chases up and gets onto the gearbox of Rasmus Lint. And, of course, I'm calling it, right? We're going to have a good two-driver battle. But then we start watching Petrov's times fall. It ends up in three drivers going at it for third, fourth, and fifth of the last five laps. It was, and, and Petrov wanted to get by Thompson. He looked to the inside of one a couple times. Yeah, and it was it's great to see them keep it clean, though, right? Because it's, yeah, yeah, you know, at this point of the season, you want to, you know, you want to make it, you want to move up. You want to, you know, for Parker to be another podium for Petrov. Geez, man, podium on his second weekend to here. It's there's a lot to play for for these kids at this level where it's. You know, at this point of the season, if you're not running for the championship, it's more about, you know, making impressions and, and showing off. But, you know, Lynn had a lot on the line, too. He's still not – he's not out of the championship hunt yet. There's still – My goodness, no. still yeah. chance he can win, so he can't give up any points. And he drove really well, defended really well. And, and for Petrov, you mentioned it. If indeed he's planning to come back with RP Motorsports for a full season next year, there's no sense in it. Like, it really doesn't matter if he finishes third or fifth. Right. Really, for him, it's the experience of driving the race car, going wheel to wheel, and actually trying to make passes, make overtakes, right? That's that's knowing what the car can do. And just make sure you get every lap you possibly can at the racetrack at Portland because we're coming back right. next year. You know, you got to be guaranteed that we're coming back next year. So why not? You just use it for experience, right? You got to yeah, be smart. And he did. He drove very, very well. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting All to right. see. RP's on it right now. That's There's no about <laughs> it. And, you know, interesting yeah, yeah. team because they've got, an you know, it's not unlimited, but they've got an untapped wealth of, of talent over in, in Europe, right? They've run F3. They run Euro Formula Open. Uh, you know, yeah. they it's they've got a lot of connections over there, and there's a lot of very good drivers like Petrov that – can come over here and Ian Rodriguez and, you know, those guys that, that were in Italian F4 and, and German F4 and Euro Formula Open, the, the series that don't get talked about as much, but have some really good drivers in them. And it's kind of been fun to watch them bring guys over here to watch and see how they've adapted to racing in the U.S. Well, and, and think about it. If they end up winning the championship with Kyle Kirkwood, there's that yeah. feather in the cap. They can go over there and say, hey, guys, listen, if you want to come over into the road to Indy, and potentially get the IndyCar. That if you can change your goal from F1, which you know so many of the drivers in, in Europe they're trying to get to F1. That's what they want to do. If you can say, hey, listen, here's a viable opportunity to come with us over here. We're a championship-winning team. You win the title here. You're going Indy Lights racing. And let's be real, uh, I would not be surprised to see RP Motorsport put a couple of Indy Lights cars in their trailer pretty soon. No, I wouldn't be either. I'd be, I'd be, you know what I mean? I'd be surprised if they didn't at some point. Just makes too much yeah. sense to to continue to build that ladder. And, you know, they work out of the Newman walk shop and 
that seems to be a good partnership where, you know, they all kind of work together. So, you know, it's not officially going to be a, you know, they wouldn't officially have all three steps on the ladder, but there's a place that they can start developing drivers from the lower levels and keep moving them up. I agree with you. I agree. Uh, all right. Let's look at the, uh, the championship battle here right now in Indy pro 2000. Rasmus Lint did come into Portland with the lead, but uh, Kyle Kirkwood's absolute freight train continuing uh, another victory for him. What, now what is it here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight wins in the last nine races. Yeah. Steve, he has a 20 point lead going to WeatherTech raceway Laguna Seca again. 66 points on offer, so nowhere close to clinching. You know, yeah. Rasmuth would need he needs to have a really good run in race one. He needs to hope that Kyle does not. Yep. Uh, you know, he, he needs something to happen to a certain extent. But uh, Kirkwood with that big lead, Parker Thompson effectively now out of the championship. Uh, he he really can't even get third. Uh, he's uh, 62 points back. Since Rasmuth would just start one race to lock out right. Parker, but but nonetheless, you look at Parker Thompson's body of work. <laughs> over the last number of years, right? He's been in the top three in points, what, the last four years in yeah, a row now? Exactly. No, and right. like you said, three of those are with brand new programs. So exactly. that's yeah. stunning yeah. when you think about it. I, I, you know, I'd need to go back and look through some stats, but I doubt that's ever been done before. So, um, you know, you're right. I'd love to see him have a chance to run, you know, with an established program uh, just to see what he can do with it. But, you know. I don't. He might be. He might get confused and not having to develop a car or work on the setup, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. exactly. So, uh, but yeah, I will. I'll, I'll tell you this: you put Parker Thompson at RP Motorsports in twenty twenty, and, and yeah. the season's over. Yeah, yeah, I, I would think <laughs> right? so. Yes. So there is a good battle for third, fourth, oh, and fifth sure. still in the championship. Parker Thompson, 300 points. Daniel Frost, 294. And Stingray Rob with 280 points. Just 20 points separate first and second. 20 points separating third, fourth, and fifth. So we got a lot of, a lot of stuff to see who's going to get which trophy at the Road to Indy Banquet on Monday night in, in Monterey. That's for sure. Definitely. All right, Steve, let's jump into USF 2000. We'll cap off this edition of the Road to Indy Insider Breakdown. Steve Whitting from tsoladder.com, a trackside online, joining me today as we break down Portland. Let's look at USF 2000, and I'll essentially, it's actually a carbon copy to a certain extent. Just like Kyle Kirkwood's been on an unbelievable role, and not surprising that uh, in the end, what, five of the six Road to Indy wins coming from yeah, scholarship winners. You know. uh, this, yeah, the soul red colors were up front all weekend long. Uh, McElroy and Braden Eves, Hunter McElroy and Braden Eves, pulling away early at the start of the USF 2000 race. They essentially solidify their positions. Those are the two drivers in the championship battle, and that's uh, that's another tough one here as well. Braden Eves has led this championship from the get-go, and uh, this one's come become very close. He's actually lost the point lead. Christian Rasmussen, who's a two-time winner this year, uh, both in Toronto and Mid-Ohio, he works himself up into third spot. We don't have to start this particular race report, Steve, with any – discussion of uh, turn one, turn two incidents because oh, USF 2000 getting through cleanly both races. Yeah, no, I'm very impressed by those guys. I was actually looking at, looking at my database uh, and those guys have gone, I think they've had four straight races now without a DNF that series, which is just, that's awesome to me. That's it so is. awesome. And I think they've had five, six caution-free races at that level. It's just to get that kind of track time is just unheard of at that level. So it's, you know, kudos to the race director. Uh, Jan Allen for getting things, you know, last year it was the exact, it was a mess, yeah. it was just a mess. And this year it's been the exact opposite. There's been a ton of great racing and clean racing. So 
um, kudos to him. And it, partly it's, you know, the group of kids that are here, but part of it's just, you know, a race director learning how to, you know, manage the kids, right? They're, yeah. you know, we've got 14 year olds to 21 year, 22 year olds in this series. So there's a big difference in age and maturity. And uh, it's just a man- matter of managing it. And they've done a great job this year with that, dudes. Yeah, a really great call as well, uh, you know, for our great calling card for the series as well, USF 2000. Simple fact that you come to this program, you're going to get a lot of track time. There are other programs that struggle uh, to go green to checker like we have many times this year. Excellent for track time. Okay, so the battle behind the top three, super solo. Those guys didn't get that much TV time, to be honest, because the, mm-hmm. the fight we were watching was this battle from fourth back to seventh. Jack Crawford, Colin Kaminsky, Manuel Suleiman, and Darren Keene absolutely going at it. It was a ton of fun to watch. Uh, Crawford, finally Kaminsky able to get by Jack Crawford on lap number 18. Uh, right, yeah, coming out of that 9, 10, 11, 12 yeah. complex, gets the rundown into one. So Kaminsky, they able to go to fourth. Crawford then falling kind of into the clutches of this battle between Manuel Suleiman and Darren Keene with about five laps to go. On lap 20, Darren Keene makes a really good move, strong move to the inside of Suleiman on turn number one to get, uh, what, to get fifth or to get sixth, to get sixth, right? Yeah, Yeah, to get sixth. And then quickly runs down Crawford, passes him for fifth. Uh, Really strong overall race for Darren Keene, likely uh, the best run of the year as well for Jack Crawford. McElroy with the win, Eve second, Rasmussen uh, third on the podium, Kaminsky fourth and Darren Keene fifth, but a good run as well for Jack Crawford, just 14 years of age. Yeah, he's been very solid. You know, it's one of the, I was actually, you know, thinking about how I'm going to start wrapping up the season. He's one that I haven't really talked about a lot, but I wish I had more, a chance to more because he's been really solid. Uh, He's not made the mistakes that, that could happen very easily. Um, And it's, sorry, I've got a bird here trying to keep flying into the window. I think they think we're pretty and, (laughs) They want to keep looking at each other. So uh, it's funny. Anyways, uh, sorry. Distracted. That's all right. Um, yeah, but he's been very solid. You know, after missing the first two, you know, races, he wasn't quite old enough. Um, I think he's, what is he, seventh in points now, which is impressive. That's it. He's seventh in points. Yeah. having missed he's, the first he, couple of races. Right? What I, was, I would be surprised if he isn't, you know, to, to him not to have a podium with the pace he's had would be a little bit surprising, but it's still been a solid, solid first season. You just look at the competition. Oh, that's the thing, right? Mac, you look. You look at first, second, and third in this race. McElroy, of course, has won a ton of races already. Braden Eves got five at the start of the year. Christian Rasmus has got two. The competition is just so. It's not just one guy winning races. Hence, you can work your way to the podium. There's just so many talented drivers. You know, Keen's been a race winner as well. So uh, to see him fighting where he is, Jack Crawford. Again, this season's all about just experience. Yep. You know, he's going to come back to USF 2000 next year. Could do a couple of years if he wanted, yep. but he will definitely be a championship challenger if he hangs around with, with Cape Motorsports oh, next year for sure. Oh, definitely. Uh, bottom line is this: Hunter McElroy, from the very time I talked to him after practice, the opening practice session, he the line, and I used it in the broadcast. He just said, "I'm really having fun driving this car." And when when a driver has fun driving a car and their mindset's not somewhere else, the success is going to come. He just liked driving it. The car was good. Qualifies on pole. Walks away to the race win, 4.87, uh, eight seconds over Braden Eves. Braden's got to change, not change, he's got to keep his mindset strong to realize that they have good race cars. Yeah. All they've got to do is unload strongly at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca on the September 2022 20, weekend. 
and there's going to be a fight for the championship. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah, for sure. And that, you know what? Braden's two podiums this weekend were the his first two non-winning podiums this year, which is crazy. He's the one who pointed that out to me, and I'm like, wow. Wow, that is crazy. Yeah, that is crazy, right? So, yeah, no, and it's good to – like, they obviously found the pace this weekend that they had been lacking at the last road course at Mid-Ohio. So, you know, he's right there, uh, and, it, you know, he's just – now he's got to he's got to push through and take the fight to Hunter at WeatherTech Raceway. It'll yeah. be interesting. It'll be fun to watch. I, so, you know, McElroy years of of Cape Motorsports winning. So, yeah. well, the other the other note was it? Uh, I think it was Jeremy Shaw that brought it up to me with this victory by Hunter McElroy, four straight wins that were not Cape Motorsports. It's the first time since 2014 that Cape Motorsports has not won in four straight races. Wow! Yeah, and that was going through something. Well, that was back. That was back in the year where they didn't. I don't think they won at all in the first seven races, and they swept the remainder of the year with Florian Latour. So, and won the championship. But again, Cape Motorsports looking to come back for sure. Another interesting thing: three different teams in the top and the top uh, three with Pabst. Uh, or rather, top uh, yeah, top three: Paps, Jay Howard, and Cape. Yeah, right? yeah, which is always great to see. And kudos, to Jay Howard. They've been, you know, what they've done, what he's done with a new new program is very impressive. Agreed, agreed. What do against the teams? He's won races against teams that are really, really good. So let's move into race number two for USF 2000. Another clean start for them in turn one and two. Kudos to them. And and again, very similar. Um, uh, McElroy out cleanly on the opening lap, pulls away and essentially dominates the action, wins by 5.5 seconds. Just a, a tremendous run uh, for sure for, for McElroy. His, his, another win for him. Uh, Braden Eves, again, like you said, second place, really strong, ends up leaving the weekend down six points in the championship. It is up for grabs at Laguna Seca for sure. The battle further back is the one that was exciting. So Zach Holden, who had a really good car earlier in the weekend, was very happy. Didn't qualify where he wanted to qualify. Uh, in race number one, battle it out. Uh, where did he end up finishing in race number one? Tenth in race number one. Watching him come through, just a little bit of contact, light contact in the opening corner, but he's able to get by Jack Crawford uh, in turn number one on lap two. So he makes a really aggressive run on Crawford, gets into P4, puts himself right on Kaminsky's gearbox yeah. uh, for that battle for the, for the final position. Uh, I liked watching that and, and that battle because I think Holden, he needed a good run there for Legacy Autosport. Yeah, he's at a, I've, I've been impressed with what he's done on a limited budget with, you know, knowing he can't make mistakes this season. I think that's his second podium, right? And I think four, five, yeah. top five now. So, um, you know, second different team, a lot of different teammates. You know, Zach Holden's one of those kids I'd love to see get a full season with somebody that, uh, you know, that. and it's good to see a team support someone like Holden. You know, he's a Indiana kid, Greenfield, Indiana, you know, yep. lives and breathes racing, uh, you know, but doesn't, you know, doesn't have the access to the budget some other racers have. And it's been great to see him get the opportunity uh, with a team that'll support him and a team that gives him a good car. And you can see what he does when he gets a good car underneath him. I also think the limited starts he's had kind of sporadic starts. He's kind of settling in a little bit, you know, he was a little younger when he first started there yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah. And it's kind of, kind of, you know, he's matured a little bit. He's being smarter on the racetrack and that is paying off for him for sure. Zach Holden ends up, he, he actually, I actually gave him my star of the race uh, for that event to being right. able to work his way to third Good battle early as well for fifth position. Darren Keene finding his way past Crawford. 
Uh, Keen then got a really good run out of turn number seven. That's when he got past Crawford on the back straightaway, completed the pass in turn number nine. Uh, Darren Keen again capping off a solid weekend, a couple of top five finishes for him. Uh, Holden completed his drive forward, as I said, getting by Kaminsky. Uh, Kaminsky, I think, driving off track over in turn number six. That allowed him to get by. But Kaminsky, <laughs> Kaminsky didn't let Holden get away. He put the pressure on big time over the last five laps. Yeah, it's been fun to watch Colin this year. Uh, you know, I, and you talked about Hunter being having fun and enjoying himself. I think a lot of that has to do with his teammates too, right? He's really enjoying, you know, Colin and him become really good friends. And, you know, in, in many ways, Colin knows he's not going to push Hunter, but in a way he does push Hunter because, it, you know, he keeps him loose and keeps him calm. And uh, it's helped Colin too. Colin, you know, kudos to Colin. He's my most improved driver of the year by a mile. Um, yeah, yeah. they've come back. Uh, I won't be, won't lie. I'm not sure he had it, what he's showing us, showing us this year in him, but he does. He's, he's a podium guy and you know, there's no reason he can't make the next step to the next level and be successful. He's been quick. All we need- I'll tell you, this, I'll, I'll tell you this, Steve, you know, I've had a chance to have the entire PAPS crew uh, at a Cooper tire stage Q and a, a couple times yeah. this year. And, and the, the team dynamic there is incredible. You got Hunter McCrory, Colin Kaminsky, Bruno Tomaselli, and Yuvin Sudaramurthy. You know, Yuvin will tell you straight up how much he's learning oh, from yeah. Hunter. Hunter's 20 years old. Yuvin's only 16. Yeah. You know, Bruna, I think, is 21. And she's picked up her game as well. Colin Kaminsky, of course. Uh, he's yeah. turned the wick up, as you said. You, you pick him as your most improved driver on the year. That team just works together. There's just such an amazing dynamic. It's all positivity. I, you know, I can imagine them being in the, in the data room talking to engineers and everybody's seeing what they can do. It's allowed Juve to find more speed, Bruno to find more speed. Hunter, I think, has pushed, uh, pushed Colin yep. to, you know, to dig deeper than he ever has. And you're right. I, I think, think Colin, they all keep Hunter loose, right? Like, yeah, you yeah. Know, I get the feeling that Hunter's, Hunter's the kind of kid that can get down on himself and, you know, get wound up. But I think having people around him that are positive and like to have fun, you know, that keeps him, in the right mindset and you can tell in the second half of the season that's his mindset is more as what you know he had the pace early in the season but the mindset has changed that first win at road america it the home track really, for paps racing i think was really big too yeah, i well. think you're right it really took that pressure off I me mean, almost put too much pressure on himself to win early on but that's it what happened well, he did tell me in the interview afterwards, after he won at Road America, that he had he had never went that long without a victory, and it was really he was putting the pressure on, starting to wear on him. But again, that team rallied around. He was able to get the win there, and that kind of has opened the floodgates for Hunter McElroy. He ends up winning by five point five seconds, as I said. Braden Eves is second. Zach Holden a strong run, my star of the race to third. Colin Kaminsky ends up in fourth. Aaron Keane back to back top fives. Jack Crawford coming home in sixth position, pretty solid considering the fact that the air intake bodywork had ripped off yeah. the car. So not only does it hurt a little bit of the performance, aerodynamics as well, uh, two sixth-place finishes for Jack Crawford, his best weekend of the year. Yeah, another good solid run for him. And it's interesting, him and uh, his former team mate, Manuel Suleiman, seem to be stuck together this year, <laughs> whether it's yeah, here in, in F4 in Mexico. But, uh, you know, it's good to see those guys racing each other cleanly. They were, uh, you know, it's – fun to watch when two guys obviously you know they they know each other and have raced together and it's fun to watch them compete but yeah Crawford was another you know I like I said earlier I think he's that guy he's just he's due for a breakout weekend and it could come you know as soon as WeatherTech Raceway 
Well, here's the, let's cap this thing off right now. What I thought was super interesting. Essentially, five of the six races in the in the road dandy going green to checker, which was awesome, right? Just the one race, uh, <laughs> race number two for Indy for Indy Lights having that yellow flag early, but otherwise, man, that's the way to get it done. All about track time. Tremendous job for those drivers. Um, again, capping off, we said that in the championship battle for USF 2000, it's a six-point lead for Hunter McElroy over Braden Eves, Steve going into to Laguna Seca. Uh, not done yet for the battle for third spot either. Darren Keane with 241, Kaminsky with 237, Rasmussen with 225. Three drivers battling it out there for the championship as well. So, Rob, I'll ask you a question, see if you can answer it. I had to go through and figure it out this morning. Who, when was the last time a Cape Motorsports driver didn't have the USF 2000 lead? Didn't have the two, F2000 lead? Yeah, in points. Well, you'd probably have to go back to 2014 then, right? Would it not been that when, when they didn't have the, the run? Or is it, it, it was 20. What's that? After the first race in 2016. Really? Oh, who won those races? Yeah. Jordan Lloyd. Um, Jordan Lloyd had the points yeah, lead. Jordan Lloyd. Pat. I think of what did I do? 54 races. They've one of their drivers up until wow. Sunday. Points lead. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. Amazing, That's right. Right. Who, who won the other? Cause, yeah. Cause the Cape didn't win there at all. Did they? No, they didn't. They've, um, you can right? That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's crazy. 54 races. Fifty-four straight races with one of their drivers. Well, the there. other incredible battle is going to be the team championship for that class as well. I know that's hotly contested. Paps Racing have won the last two team championships over Cape Motorsports. They are three points separated. The team championship battle heading to and it changed hands too. At that, um, what's that? It changed hands. It yeah. They uh, I think Cape had a I can't a nine point lead or something like that going in. So it changed hands sure. again. So, and I know, I know those owners say I've asked them both, and they both are like, "Yeah, that we we pay attention." To that. <laughs> of course they do. Uh, so of course they do, and there's money involved too, right? So anytime you get a little bit extra money involved, they're gonna they're gonna. Well, care. see, there you go. We just broke down the uh, the race at Portland uh, again. A couple of championship battles changing hands. Uh, of course, uh, Kyle Kirkwood taking the lead away from uh, Rasmus Lind in Indy Pro. Hunter McElroy taking the lead away from uh, Braden Eves in the USF 2000 category. Oliver Askew all but uh, locking down the Indy Lights program. He only needs to start the, the two races at Laguna Seca. Uh, I'm telling you, championship weekend is going to be great. Not only is it going to be amazing for the NTT IndyCar Series, Joseph Newgarden in a pretty good spot, but, of course, guys still there, Alexander Rossi, Simon Pagino. But we're going to have championships right down to the very end, I think, of course, USF 2000, of course, will be the final race of the year. Yeah. Yeah, and that fitting that it's by far the closest championship we have right now. So, Well, the crazy thing, as you know, that track is very tough to pass on. Let's see who rolls out of the trailer well. Exactly. Yep. No, and it, uh, you know, talking at least on the IndyCar side, I haven't done a whole lot of digging on the road to Indy side, but on the IndyCar side, in the past, it was always who ran well at mid-Ohio sort of ran well at Laguna. All right. I guess it's going to roll over to the roll over onto the road to Indy side of that as well. So, but we have been there recently. So teams do have some data. They do. You're right. No doubt about that. Yeah. All right, Steve, thank you so much for joining me here on the road to Indy insider breakdown podcast. Can you, uh, can you give us a scoop on if anybody wants to tune in? What's the, what's the connection for TSO ladder and trackside online? Uh, yeah, just head over to TSO ladder.com. If you want to uh, read, it's free to read. Thanks to our, friends at Cooper Tires. Uh, if you want to get it in, a, in an email form after each session, 
just subscribe. It's normally $10, but if you use the code Cooper, uh, you can get it for free. Thanks to, once again, Chris at Cooper Tires for taking care of the fans. Uh, we love to have you on board, and always, as always, man, thanks for having me on. I, you know, I think, think I love the covering the road to Indy, so having another friend that I can talk about it with always <laughs> makes me happy. Well, you know what? I've been doing it for a long time, obviously, covering the kids in karting through ecartingnews.com. And uh, my time as, a, as the voice of the road to Indy is exciting. Love doing this insider stuff with you. Great to have you on. But again, with my work with the IndyCar Radio Network as well, I'll follow the IndyCar program aggressively. Now, Steve didn't mention it. Trackside Online is the extension from TSO Ladder. Uh, that's actually the, the home base, of course. If you're an IndyCar fan, uh, make sure that you subscribe to track, Trackside Online. The, the the insider information you get every weekend through the emails that they send out. Of course, you can get all the race reports on, on the website as well. Um, it's what, $22 a year, right, Steve? 22 bucks a year, yeah. 22 bucks a year, folks. It's a no-brainer if you're an IndyCar fan. As I said, for, for what I do for IndyCar Radio, when I the information I'm able to get every night at the end of the day is stuff that I make sure I make notes on using Steve and, and Patrick's information. I'm able to use that. In the work I do, of course, on, on pit lane with IndyCar Radio. If you're an IndyCar fan, it's a no-brainer. TracksideOnline.com, $22 a year. Uh, Steve Wittick, Patrick Steffen doing a tremendous job, just passionate fans and, uh, and really solid journalists as well. Steve, thank you so much for joining me, bud. Thanks for having me on, Rob. I do appreciate it, folks. The season is getting ready to cap off September 2021-22. The Road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires heading to WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca, the season finale. Uh, two of the three championships, both definitely up for grabs. Oliver Askew looking to put his name in the record books as the most recent winner of the Indy Lights Championship, following in the footsteps of guys like Pato Award, hoping to work his way to the NTT Indy Car Series. And Steve has said, good possibility that we're going to see both Askew and VK in full-time programs next year. This Road to Indy continues to develop drivers and continues to put more of our Road to Indy pilots into the Indy Car program. Thank you so much for joining me here, folks, on the Road to Indy Insider. Make sure you follow Steve Wittick on all his uh, social media channels. You can follow me as well, uh, at Rob Howden on Twitter, at Rob Howden Racing on Instagram, and, of course, at RTI underscore Insider on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us, folks. My name is Rob Howden. Bye for now.